0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: i pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A.
2: Miss to, to the top you're tuned in to the eagle hour
1: good afternoon eagle fans statewide coast to coast border to border on the super talk network of stations this is the eagle hour i'm kelly sander in the first bank studios in hattiesburg along with producer director dalton stanford luke johnson in our laurel studio beautiful downtown laurel i make make sure i have to I get mm-hmm. that in that's there that's part of the Thank contract <laughs> That's right. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Been a longtime supporter of ours. And likewise, the fall off the bone ribs are accessible to you seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Let them cater Mm -hmm. your next event, whether it's New Year's Eve or uh, whatever else is coming up. The big college bowl games, Dickie's Barbecue, all sorts of sides that go along with your order as well. Dickie's Barbecue Pit. On the program today, in just a moment, we're going to be talking with DeQuincy Scott, Former Southern Miss great, part of uh, probably the three best defenses that ever played at Southern Miss. And then later on, we'll be talking with the radio voice of the Tulane Green Wave. The Green Wave taking on the Eagles January 4th in the Armed Forces Bowl out in, uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. But this two days after Christmas, you can probably now let your hair down, relax a little bit. The relatives are gone. Alleluia. Alleluia. They, they have packed
0: up. Yeah, and I know a guy, Kelly, I know a guy at my church. He said that, that the, his favorite Christmas lights were the tail, tail lights yeah. down the, the driveway.
1: And we hate to be cynical and you know about things like that, but um, it, it is stressful this time of year. So let's talk about great things. Joining us on the Super Talk Mississippi Hotline from his... Home, I guess now, on the Lower East Side of Madison, Mississippi. The pride of <laughs> <laughs> the pride of Laplace, Louisiana. DQ D- really Quincy Scott, <laughs> defensive tackle for Southern Miss from 1997 to 2000. Stints in the NFL with the San Diego Chargers and Minnesota Vikings. Good to have you, DQ. Merry Christmas. Happy Thank New you. Year.
3: Man, same to you guys, Kelly. How's everybody doing? I hope everybody's had a great Christmas. And Santa Claus bought you everything, man. Everything
1: and, uh, is <laughs> everything is made for love. Luke, you you were going over some of the statistics of DeQuincy Scott and some of his teammates' unbelievable lineup of talent.
0: Sure enough, DQ, we were uh, just sitting the other day and, and reminiscing. Uh, we actually reminiscing with Randy Butler, and he just started oh, listing oh, off oh, you guys, <laughs> you and Sed Scott and John Nix, Delroy, Ad, and Randy. Coach Butler said he said, man. I was a good coach, but it wasn't because of what was happening on the sidelines. It's because those guys made me look good on the field.
3: <laughs> Man, that is my guy. Man, we love Coach Butler's laid-back attitude, uh, approach uh, to coaching the game because, you know, we, we were, a type, were the type of team or the type of guys that had our own inner inner being, inner, inner person that was just, you know, we believed that we were going to get it done no matter what. And that's the attitude that we carried onto the field with us.
0: You so look at some of those defenses you were on, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I don't know who was who all was recruiting. I know who the coaches were uh, back then. But, man, just to get that much talent and, and just one position group, but then you look by, behind you was uh, Marchant Kenny your freshman year, Ty Trahan, Latrell Pollard, Pat Sertain in the secondary, TJ Slaughter. It is just truly remarkable how much talent was there during the time you were at Southern Miss.
3: Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, I think, I don't know if it was Luke or, or, or Keller that made the comment. We were like one of the, the, the top three defenses. I think we probably were the best. In our mind, we were the best because nobody, I, I talked to a guy the other day, um, and I was just telling him some of the uh, things that we did. I, I, I remember that we accomplished uh, having, well, nobody scored on us for like 13 quarters at one point in time in, in one of the years. I forgot what years here it was. But, you know, we were upset about somebody scoring three points on us after 13 quarters of scoreless football. And that's the type of attitude that we had, and that's the type of thing uh, that drove us. And we we were we wanted to be the best. We didn't want to play, and we wanted to play the best. And so that's how you get on that national stage, and that's how you get the notoriety. Uh, and this is how you become an elite team in college football.
1: I want to ask you, DQ, about making the transition from college to the pros because a lot of us can relate, a lot of us listeners can relate to making the transition from high school to Juco or college, but only a handful in the world know what it's like to go from college to the league. What do you remember about making the transition and the toughest part of making that transition?
3: Uh, being able to overcome, um, I would guess, the the the, the – the, the slow pace that we played at in college, and I know that sounds crazy, uh, but the NFL is a game in which you have to think in the blink of an eye, you have to get it done before the snap of the ball. And so until you get the game to slow down in your mind, then you can play without thinking because anybody that thinks will play slow. Um, and anybody that, you know, can, can overcome that uh, uh, thing of of not thinking and just going out and play, it becomes a game. But no matter what, I always thought of the game of football as a game. You know, we made it and people have made it, and money has made it so serious that they try, they try to take the fun out of the game. I always tried to have fun no matter what I was doing, and that's the thing about it. Once the fun is out of it, is there's really no need to play because that's why we play games, because they're fun.
1: So of all the places you, you could go, you know, I would think Miami and San Diego would be the top places you know, weather-wise. You get to go to San Diego, and no disrespect, DQ, but San Diego is not Laplace. Okay. okay. As as far as the weather, the scenery, all that kind of stuff. So so you got money, you got scenery, you got the whole bit. How do you? How does it not go to your head? To any NFL player, how does it not go to their head? You seem to have been able to maintain.
3: Well, the money part doesn't go to your head because Uncle Sam in San Diego gets it by forty (laughs) percent. So that's that's easy. Uh, (laughs) And we're on the practice squad. You know, the first year or so. Hey, believe me, Uncle Sam is not your friend, but hey, (laughs) that's a part of the game. (laughs) Right. But I grew up in a household where humility was a factor in my house. And, um, you know, you always take the stance that you always take the low road. You don't have to put yourself up on a high horse because uh, if you do what you're supposed to do, most people will put you on that horse anyway. That's just the way of the world. And so we look at these people as if if they're a God and they're really not. And, you know, I used to hate uh, people noticing me. I used to hate people knowing that I played with the child. I did. I used to get on airplanes and... You know, I don't like why I had to. I had to tell a lie to this guy. He was like, "Hey, man, Archie." So, uh, no, man, I work construction. I told the guy I work construction just so, just so that I wouldn't get noticed on the plane. But that's the type of dude I am. You know, nobody would ever know that I played football if I had to tell them. Pretty much, you so, know, I'm so not,
1: you know. So, so, is that why you low? Is that why you live on the lower east side of Madison?
3: I, I like it. I love it because you know, I, I kind of get. I tend to get. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> get a little upset sometimes when people think that they're high and mighty just because of where they live and what they have because, you know, it can be taken away or somebody doesn't have what you have and you look down upon them. So, you know, that doesn't that, doesn't, yeah. that type of stuff doesn't fit well with me. Um, you know, we're all, we're all the same people. It doesn't matter who you are, what you have, what you don't have. Uh, we all were created equally, and, you know, I think we lose sight of that sometimes. And
1: Luke Johnson, I have to tell you about his humility. I, I flew out to San Diego for some of my insurance uh, endeavors. And I was telling uh, DQ that I was coming out there, and I expected fully my sister, who lived out there, to pick me up at the airport. But guess who picked me up at the, at the airport?
0: Me? Yes. Quincy <laughs> Scott. Yeah. Hey, that's a good limo driver. That's, that's one of those hey, where man. when you get pulled over by the police and uh, they roll down the window and they see DQ driving, they have no idea who's in the back seat. So that was uh, – you were a VIP that day, Kelly. And let me tell you, Luke,
1: we got, we, we got to go to the practice facility there with the chargers, me and my, my late dad we're there and uh and you know when people say can we help you he would say uh we're with the Quincy Scott oh well well right this way you know right right this way
0: <laughs> that's good that's good dq i want to ask you uh I want to ask yeah. you before uh, we run out of time, man. So many of the guys, I came in after your senior year, so I missed you by one year. Man, so many of those guys told me so many Van Hall stories. You guys had a brotherhood. Uh, so much crazy stuff happened in that place. And when, when it got torn down, a lot of people just, man, just uh, cried on the inside a little bit. Man, there was such a brotherhood among you guys when you played at Southern Miss.
3: Hey, yes, yes, it was. Uh, we were a team, we were a group of guys uh, that not only played football together, but we, we hung out on the field. We still talk to this day. Uh, me and Cedric and Delroy, uh, Gerald Muffin doesn't live too far for me, uh, you know, some of the other guys, man, we just, we, we, we created this bond that no matter what, we were not we were not going to allow the outside to uh, disassemble or to come between that bond or divide us in any such way, man, because, you know, sometimes things outside of this, outside of the circle, a lot of times it's the things that bring division, uh, media, uh, attention. Matter of fact, notoriety is one of the biggest things that divides teams because, one person is getting the credit, but I love the fact that we all did it together. And, um, you know, we, 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 we created the defensive mindset, special defensive mindset at USM, uh, that is still living on to this day because we're still talking about it. And that's what you want to do. You want to create something that transcends you, uh, so that, you know, you can, it can affect generations to come. And that's what
1: we did. Well, DeQuincy Scott, truly one of the, the Southern Miss greats from 1997 to 2000, was a San Diego Charger. When Philip Rivers might have had only one kid. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a
1: good guy. Now. Yeah. No, no, my guy. yeah, yeah, he is for sure. And we wish, we wish uh, DeQuincy, who was a captain of the Southern Miss team, also a, a member of the. The M M Club Hall of Fame at Southern Miss, and the list goes on and on. And truly, one of the three best defenses. He was a member of all three. DQ, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining us.
3: Happy New Year, Kelly. Thank you, guys.
1: Happy New Year to you, guys. DeQuincy Scott on the Eagle Hour. When we come back, Luke, we're going to get to talk about the Tulane Green Wave and what the wave brings to the table as they prepare under Coach Willie Fritz to get ready for the Eagles, the January 4th bowl game, right around the corner a week from tomorrow. And we'll take a look at it from their point of view when we come back.
2: tuned in to the Eagle Hour the Eagle Hour Southern Miss to the top
0: what a great interview with the Quincy Scott former defensive lineman for Southern Miss who went on to play in the NFL and now uh, Kelly I think Kelly's the one that set that up good job there brother that was a great interview and uh, man I wish I could laugh like him that just really made my day
1: well I've I've always said that laughter you know because people will comment about the show and they'll go man you you, you. Get people laughing, and I've always believed, you know, laughter is is truly an international language. You know, and if and if you can't make fun of yourself, you know, <laughs> and I think DQ with that that humility that he was brought up with in Louisiana, the, the way it translated over to California, it was just, it's just really cool. And that's one of the thing I think is. that is uniquely southern that I love about the South is we never seem to take ourselves too seriously, and I think that's a good thing.
0: It is, and a good, just great interview, uh, reminiscing uh, with him. Second segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by Campus Bookmark, located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, or online at campusbookmark.net. Basketball season in full swing, bowl game coming up, baseball season just around the corner. Get everything you need to cheer on the black and gold at Campus Bookmark and dot. Net Well, just about eight days away from the Golden Eagles Armed Forces Bowl game out in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, The battle for the bell comes back to life, and we are pleased to have joining us now on the phone, Andrew Allegretta, the director of broadcasting and the play-by-play voice for the Tulane Green Wave. Andrew, thanks for coming on today.
2: Happy to be here. Merry Christmas, guys.
0: Merry Christmas, man. Uh, we we are starting this rivalry back up. It'll be the 31st appearance. Hadn't happened in, uh, in I guess, nine or ten years. Golden Eagle fans excited. What has been a two-lanes mindset since uh, the announcement against Southern Miss for the Armed for- Forces Bowl?
2: I guess it would probably start with the same thing you guys are feeling. There's a lot of enthusiasm to get back to the Battle of the Bell. Uh, there's certainly a lot of tradition and history with this matchup, which is great. Obviously, it tilts towards Southern Miss, so... Uh, Kudos to you guys, but I I think there's a lot of enthusiasm just the fact that uh, we get to play a bowl game in a spot that's close to New Orleans. It's a fairly easy flight over to dallas Fort Worth, and we play a game against somebody we understand instead of some random team from the MAC conference. So there's plenty of enthusiasm for it.
0: I know, uh, I know Kelly wants to talk to you about coach, coach Fritz, but when we look at, um, the Tulane, uh, football team this year, man, you guys started off hot five and one, um, looked really good, lost one, uh, over at Auburn, but beat Houston, beat Army, beat UConn. And then it was kind of a, a reversal same way kind of the Golden Eagles finished. Uh, you went, I think one and five, uh, in your last, uh, last six games. So it was just kind of a tale of two teams this year for Tulane.
2: Yeah, so I'm not trying to make an excuse here. I think you have to start with the fact that the schedule changed, right? I don't think Tulane is the team that necessarily went 5-1 and, and was on the cusp of the top 25, nor do I think Tulane can be a team that's determined by the 1-5 finish. Um, the schedule got really difficult, and the one thing that was unaccounted for this season in the American Conference is how good the West Division is. There's a ton of advanced analytics out there. And the advanced analytics, which is certainly the hot term in college football and college basketball and so on and so forth, uh, would tell you that the AAC West was one of the most competitive and interesting divisions in all of college football. It was better than both, not one, but both of the ACC divisions. Memphis is great. Uh, A fantastic season by Maybe SMU had a great season, so it was a hard division, and I think that played a major role.
1: Andrew Willie Fritz, uh, I think, we came to Tulane, um, and I know one of his stops was Georgia Southern. But just about every place that he's been, he's been a winner. And, and I and I always I have always thought that from a media standpoint, uh, that he's never gotten the credit that he really deserves. This guy has been a winner everywhere he's gone. What you know, as from an outsider's point of view looking in, what is it about him that? you think, enables him to be so successful everywhere?
2: Well, so what's the thing this season that Ed Orgeron is getting a ton of credit for? It's being a CEO, right? A really good 30,000-foot type of head coach that is comfortable delegating, is comfortable making changes to his scheme, uh, and bringing in the right pieces to be successful. That's Willie Fritz. He's a CEO. There's no doubt about it. In my mind, he made a change to bring in an offensive coordinator by the name of Will Hall, who is Bobby Hall's, and Will has done a fantastic job, and Willie really has stepped in and made little suggestions and changes as need be uh, to be that CEO. But generally speaking, he's hands off and he plays from thirty thousand feet, and he holds people accountable. He's a great head coach. And,
1: and and with all due respect, in years past, Tulane, you know, has had a couple of really good teams, but generally speaking. And, it, and a lot of people will attribute it to the, the tough academic requirements to even go to Tulane, that the football program has, has struggled at times. But Willie Fritz seems to, what, what's, what has changed?
2: Uh, organization uh, and support from the university and athletic department, I think is probably a really good place to start. Uh, Willie Fritz is an incredibly uh, thoughtful head coach. He's an organized head coach. He's a disciplined head coach who holds everybody to account, That's the CEO-type thing. You've got a new athletic director that brought him in by the name of Troy Dannon. And then I, I do think the president, his last name is Fitz, not Fritz, but Fitz, has done a good job uh, supporting athletics where he can help support athletics. So there's been more collective effort over the past four to five years from the university standpoint, uh, and that's been a major factor. Now, it's not going to be the same thing as a program in the SEC, or, um, you know, even maybe a Memphis or something like that because of the academic requirements. But I just think there's been uh, more oomphs and juice in supporting athletics over the past handful of years. Look, the university's been through so much. Katrina is going to dictate the path of that athletic department for years and years and years. I mean, they were on the verge of, you know, shutting it down there for a little while. Right. So it's really difficult to uh, to go out there and, and be this program that's going to compete conference championships, seasons after seasons after seasons. Uh, so I, I just think the collective effort from top to bottom has been um, much better in the past four to five years.
1: And I think this ball game really right. has a chance to be pretty intriguing because you had two schools that ended the season on down notes, you know, that really had uh, much higher upticks in the middle of the season. Southern Miss losing its its last games and, as you mentioned, the wave as well. So what's what's been the mood heading into to practice? And kind of describe practice for us, Andrew.
2: Well, certainly I think there's um, plenty of drive uh, for these guys to finish things off correctly. Uh, And I think specifically from the seniors, um, you guys can probably speak more to that when it comes to Southern Miss. Uh, But what's intriguing about this senior class is it was Coach Fritz's first senior class. Uh, It is really difficult, guys, to turn a ship. Uh, When a ship is in momentum in one direction, trying to get it to go the other is incredibly difficult. Guys like Darnell Mooney... Who's a wide receiver, or somebody like PJ Hall, who's a safety, or someone like Vicarious Keys, who's a cornerback. These guys have uh, put in a lot of work to help turn the ship and to win back to back bowl games for the first time in program history under a coach that they have a ton of respect for. And Willie Fritz, I think that means something to them.
1: Luke, I'm looking forward to
0: this matchup. You you mentioned. I am, too, and, and uh, there's some connections here. Andrew, you already uh, talked about uh, the, the Will Hall connection. Where I'm sitting in Laurel, Mississippi, one of the guys you just mentioned that uh – To carry his keys. We all call him Bo Pete up here. Um, He's been a two lane guy. Keon Howard actually transferred from Southern Miss uh, to two lane. He's been the backup quarterback. So these teams know each other, you know, so well. The guy I want to ask you about um, is Justin McMillan. He's uh, he's your starting quarterback. He's had about 3,000 yards of total offense uh, this year. He's an explosive player uh, to watch, and he's a player that the Golden Eagle defense has to watch out for, uh, especially in the secondary. Yeah, and
2: his legs too are certainly the most significant part of his game. I think he ended up of well twelve or thirteen rushing touchdowns, and that is uh, no slouch. A yeah. uh, quarterback, he finished as the team's leading rusher. Uh, and Will Hall, the offensive coordinator, Bobby Hall's son, so on and so forth, has done a great job uh, using him in that fashion and structuring an offense to take advantage of that. Uh, look, if there's a weakness for Justin McMillan, he will make uh, a shaky decision from time to time. We have said. Uh, with the warmest of hearts, that's what McMillan giveth, and Justin McMillan taketh away. Sometimes um, <laughs> he can throw interceptions, and that's the problem. But he can also torch you too. Uh, so you just you have to be careful with whatever version of Justin McMillan uh, in that particular moment. And he's had some really special ones this year.
0: I watched uh, the Houston game, and man, he looked good in that one. So uh, what, what's the schedule for Tulane? When are you guys headed down to Fort Worth? Well,
2: so your uh, esteemed broadcasting crew won't get there till January 3rd uh, because of some hoops' obligations and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but The team heads down uh, December 31st, and I think they've got, uh, you know, the typical Bull stuff lined up, whether it's practice or media obligations or your, you know, I don't know, i am sure they'll treat them to something or other. There's always that, like, shopping spree that they get to go on uh, courtesy of the Bull game. So uh, they'll be down
1: there starting on New Year's Eve. And how will how will the Green Wave fans travel? I'm saying you think you think there will be there will be <laughs> you think there will be a lot Great of them question. coming.
2: I don't I don't know. Uh, and quite candidly, probably not. I mean, I'm not trying to sugarcoat anything with with Tulane's um, football history. Um, galvanizing a fan base takes time, and it, and it takes a lot of really successful seasons. So I, I think. You know, going to back-to-back bowl games is nice, and they had a good crowd last year down in Orlando. Um, so I don't know. I think we'll travel fine. I don't necessarily think that it's going to be all in the blue up and down TCU's uh, football stadium, uh, but it is a manageable trip for a lot of people, from New Orleans or wherever else. So uh, I hope it's a good crowd for sure.
0: Well, Andrew, we appreciate your time, man. Uh, I, I'm sorry you won't get down there until uh, the third. But, hey, enjoy yourself in Fort Worth, and uh, best of luck to the Green Wave. And uh, Corey Olivier, the team chaplain, he's already been talking smack with me, so uh, I've been talking it <laughs> back. But this is just the fun rivalry, and uh, it should be a great game. Thanks for spending some time with us today, man. Happy New Year.
2: You guys as well.
0: That's Andrew Allegretta, the play-by-play voice of the Tulane Green Wave. Kelly and I go over some bowl games and NFL games to get some picks right after this. Stick with us on the Eagle Hour.
2: Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to
1: the Eagle Hour.
0: 4th Street Barn Grill brings us the third segment of the Eagle Hour every single day, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, right next to Highway 49. Lunch specials Check them out on Facebook and find out everything that's going on at 4th Street Bar Luke, and Grill. Can
1: I make a comment about 4th Street right quick? We you know on on this uh, Every day you do, go ahead. Well, well, <laughs> this but but the you know it, the listeners to this program are always so kind to us and say, you know, that and you know they're listening because they'll tell you specifically something that you said on the air. And uh, somebody called me to task the other day, they said, Man, you're making jokes about going to Fourth Street Bar on Christmas night saying if you want to, you know, get away from that crazy uncle or or you're just tired of being around your relatives they're driving you nuts, whatever. And I, I in no I in no way wanted to imply that every family is dysfunctional, but I actually had, I was at Fourth Street Bar Christmas night and it was crowded as usual uh, on Christmas night. And I had some people that come up and said, you know, I appreciated you actually saying that because I, w- I felt guilty that I wanted to get away from my family. And it's not that I <laughs> hate my family. It's just I'm not used to being around all those people you know, at one time, and it was stressful. And uh, so they said, by you making light of it, so to speak, it made me feel a little bit better about my feeling of wanting to get away from them. So at any rate, um, I just wanted to throw that out there that, that yeah, sometimes
0: it is you just want to get away a little bit. This is a strange year indeed. Kelly Sander counseling people <laughs> yeah. working through family problems. And, and, and if you take
1: Man. that advice, then you need more help uh, than you can ever imagine. There you go. But um, so, so well, you tell me. You're telling me, Luke, that the Saints can only be a, the Saints
0: cannot be a one seed. The only way the Saints could be the one seed is if the 49ers lose to the Seahawks and the Packers lose to the Lions. I think there's probably a better chance of you becoming a clinical uh, psychologist and helping people every single day than the Lions beating the Packers. So if the the, the Um, Saints
1: and Packers have the same record, they haven't played each other. Why would the Packers get it over the Saints?
0: Because the, one the Saints three losses, the Saints three losses were to NFC teams. So one of the tiebreakers is if there if there's no head to head, they go to how many wins do you have in your conference? So the Saints lost to the Rams, that's the NFC team. The Saints lost to the Falcons, that's the NFC team. Saints lost um, to the 49ers. So the Saints have lost three times to NFC teams. Packers have more conference wins, so the Packers would win uh, in that. Uh, even it, so, the Saints will then be a two seed. But if Forty ers beat the Seahawks and the Packers beat the Lions, the Saints will at thirteen and three playing a wild card game at home, but still uh, playing a wild card game as a three seed. It's, it's it's unbelievable.
1: So once again, the Dirty Birds from Atlanta have have messed it up for the Saints in a sense. Even as bad yeah. a year as the Falcons have had, those Dirty Birds <laughs> have sidetracked. I tell Saints. you
0: what, it was. It wasn't the Dirty Birds that day. It was the Helpless Saints. They played like garbage, um, but the you know Falcons just one of those teams. Um, they can hurt you when you don't defend the pass, and uh, they did that day. Uh, but you know the Saints got to take care of business, and and uh, we'll we'll you know get the the plan going on uh, on Monday. Let, let's uh, while we're talking NFL, let's look let's look forward to to some NFL games. As the one mentioned, Saints play at noon. On uh, Sunday at Carolina, New Orleans a thirteen point favorite. But uh, you know Gardner Johnson got hurt. There's there's nine different guys on the injury list. You know uh, Breeze and Thomas are on there. They'll they'll play. But I'm I'm really concerned about Gardner Johnson. I think Williams is on there also. Um, what about the news, Al Allen?
1: What about the news breaking uh, out of New Orleans this morning? The news breaking out of New Orleans this morning. Do you see who's working? Us. who's working out with the Saints. A wide receiver no. named Antonio Brown.
0: I so that came up yesterday or the day before that they were talking. I thought it was splatter. I had, I didn't see the the wire this morning. That's nuts if that's the case. Just brought in Jenkins. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, except for the fact you know you thought they would they would do that with the Patriots. If Sean Payton is probably more tolerant than than Belichick, uh, and you got to be really. You know, you got to be really uh, trustworthy of your, your locker leadership team. Right. But anybody that brings in Antonio Brown just tells him up front, hey, dude, any jazz, you're out of here. Um, so, so maybe third time's a charm for Antonio Brown on and, the and,
1: and you'd Brown. think that if he didn't learn his lesson this time that there is something emotionally or mentally just a little bit off. That, I mean, you know, how many chances, how many second chances do you get, right? And if you don't learn your lesson, then it just stands to reason that there's something – that you don't want to learn or you just uh, that there's something wrong with you. I hate to to be so blunt about it, but uh, at any rate, yeah, he's there. Adam Schefter has has confirmed that he's working out for the Saints. They don't want to get get into wide receiver problems going into the playoffs. So we'll follow that story for you. So
0: obviously he won't. He won't be uh, available this weekend, but it is it is kind of intriguing. Saints at Panthers. I think it'll be closer um, than uh, than the thirteen points. I don't think Saints will cover, but I think they'll win that one, don't you?
1: Yeah, the Panthers have have given up. You know, their their coach Ron Rivera was fired mid season, and they're they're kind of on to their next thing, even though they don't know what their next thing is. You know, uh, and for the Saints, if they could play for a number one seed, and again, yeah, if the Lions win, but if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, you know that story. Um, So you're right, the Lions. But the Falcons, you know, you talked about the Falcons. They finished the second half of the season much. They played much better the second half than they did the first. And uh, head coach Dan Quinn has been told that he will be retained. He's coming back next year. So the way the Falcons finished... Uh, they feel optimistic about uh, you know, going forward with him. And uh, Matt Patricia, the head coach of the Lions, who a lot of people thought was undergun with his second year with the Lions and them not really having shown much improvement, he's been told he will be retained. So a lot of the coaches that you thought might get the heave-ho, at least two of them, have been told to stay put. So um, that's kind of the news on the coaching front at this hour.
0: In honor of Bob Getty, who's on vacation, Redskins at the Cowboys. I'm going to be a Redskins fan. I just don't like the Cowboys. I really never have. It goes back to uh, in the mid-'90s when they beat Favre several times. I don't like the Cowboys. I'm for the Redskins. Cowboys got to win that, and uh, they got to hope that uh, the Eagles get beat by the Giants. But that's crazy. You're going to have a 13-3 and uh, wild card team. You're going to have an 8-8 or or even uh 7 and no you wouldn't have a 7 and nine. yeah an 8 and 8 uh division champion It'd be pretty wild.
1: And a lot of people have talked that that, that the NFL competition committee might, re, you know, research that a little bit and see if there's a better way to to make the playoffs, you know, work and reward the teams who have those better regular season records. But for the time being that is the way, you know, that it's that it's going to look. So in that that week uh, NFC you know, East Division. So, if if everything goes as expected and as Las Vegas expects it to go, the Saints will only get one home game in the postseason, and it would be in the wild card round. Correct?
0: Yeah, that's that's exactly the way it would work. So, uh, you're looking at what the N- NFC East will do. Um, another big one. Uh, it's Sunday night, 49ers at the Seahawks. Uh, everybody in the Nation is a Seahawks uh, fan here. San Francisco is a three and a half point favorite. Seahawks haven't been the greatest at home. No, Kelly. It's no been, they haven't. You know, kind of odd. They they beat the 49ers 27 uh, 24 earlier um, in the season, I guess uh, about six weeks ago. But that's a big one, and that's coming up on Sunday night.
1: Yeah, they're only, um, I think they were uh, four and three at home, and almost got, and no joke, almost got beat by the Bengals the very first uh, game of the season. They had to come from behind to beat Cincinnati 20 to 19 in week 1. So I don't know what the Seahawks problems are at home. Uh but yeah, it's there's no home field advantage at least this year in Seattle. It hasn't been to this point. We're hoping that they get that turned around and get the Saints that that 2 seed and a bye in the first round of the playoffs and then uh, and then a home game, you know, for the second round. So let's hope that that's that's exactly why we're all cheering for uh the 49ers to lose to the Seahawks.
0: And in everyone's favorite game, um, the Browns on the road against the Bengals. Now, okay, so if you're the Bengals, um, I think if you're the Bengals, go out and play, man, because either you're going to get Joe Burr or Chase Young, right? I mean, this is the Chase Young, uh, Joe Burrow sweepstakes in this game, so you might as well win. You, you're going to get the first-round pick no matter what, and no, the number one overall no matter what.
1: Yeah, but that doesn't mean you're going to make a smart pick <laughs> when you when you have that pick. <laughs> and, I, and I know I've, I have prayed for both of those guys. I said, here, your careers have been so great up to this point, and now it's about ready to go into the toilet in front of All-America in the draft, but I'm sure they'll get a lot of money uh, to to bite that bullet. But uh Man, I remember Rich Gannon, we when we played the clip on here, Luke, he just said I, I just it's embarrassing how bad Cincinnati is to be a pro. Probably the weakest sports franchise in any sport. They're just that bad. And it's 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 sad, you know? It's sad. But
0: in the uh in the AFC, all the divisions have clinched. Patriots have won the East. Uh Ravens have have won the north and have clinched uh the bye. Oh and they're good. Texans man. uh they're, they're really good. Yeah. Texans have won the South. Kansas City's won the West. NFC's a different story. Uh, Toss-up in the NFC West between the 49ers and the Seahawks. Saints have clinched the South. Green Bay has clinched the North. Vikings also have, a, 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 have made the playoff. And then the NFC East... Only one team will emerge, and that team will be the division champion at 8-8. Eight and eight. And so, probably
1: will be abruptly uh, dispatched after the first round of the playoffs. You know, whoever, whoever gets so. in, I think they'll be the, the token team to get in. But the bowl season is really, we're getting into the meat of the bowl season. So if you have leftover meat from the Christmas dinner, you're going to eat that while you're watching the meat of the NF, uh, the uh, college football Bowl season, which really ramps up today, being Friday, Luke and I will take a look at some of the bigger bowls, implications to Conference USA, and more stuff when the Eagle Hour continues in just a moment. the top. The Eagle Hour continues. This segment brought to you by Hattiesburg Toyota on Highway 98 West in Hattiesburg, 601-544-9630. That's 544-9630. You can check them out online, too. And, of course, with the calendar turning over to 2020, there's no better time to buy 2019 models as they try to clear out the lot for the 2020s coming in. Also, a complete selection of pre-owned vehicles where Hattiesburg Toyota has a 7,643-point system well something like that where they make sure that all the pre-owned vehicles are good to go Hattiesburg Toyota and their new location on highway 98 west in Hattiesburg actually just a stone's throw here from um from our first bank studios in Hattiesburg Luke I know you've been looking at the bowl games there's a lot of them some good ones some bad ones we'll try to highlight the good ones and come away with the winners
0: I was really impressed yesterday. Just to recap, Louisiana Tech shut out Miami in the Walk-On's Independence Bowl. Uh, Tech defense did an extraordinary job. Only 74 yards on the ground they allowed uh, to the U. They beat them 14 to nothing. As Conference USA's second bowl win of the year, they improve uh, to 2 and 0. So uh, some games going on right now um, for us. Actually, live in process. North Carolina at the end of the third is blowing out Temple. In the Military Bowl presented by Northrop Grumman, uh, later today, Michigan State and Wake Forest uh, got uh, several games today, and then uh, a big slate for tomorrow. So let's go through these, Kelly, real quick. Tomorrow at two twenty, or I'm sorry, today. So let's go through today's games. Today at two twenty on ESPN, the New Era Pinstripe Bowl from Yankee Stadium, Michigan and Wake, or Michigan State and Wake Forest.
1: I like Wake Forest in that game. Michigan State just did not have a very good year and I think they're ready for it to be over. I like Wake.
0: Yes, coach of the Spartans, man, he's going to have to evolve a little bit. Um, it's just not working, and somebody needs to give him a calendar and show him it's almost 2020. I like Wake in that, that game also. Um, later on today at 545 on ESPN out in Houston, Texas, the Academy Sports Outdoors Texas Bowl, Oklahoma State, and Texas A&M. Texas A&M might be the most uh, – talented seven and five team um in the country a&m's a four and a half point favorite
1: jimbo fisherman is a wizard as far as getting people to believe he's a great coach i'm i've I'm, I'm always been <laughs> lukewarm on i mean really i've always been lukewarm on him what what have you really done um i well, guess he won
0: a national championship at florida state did he was he there
1: yeah with Jameis winston oh, oh yeah but they haven't he hasn't done anything since um i get it okay uh, but I, I I like Oklahoma State. They know how to score some points. Uh, I like the Cowboys.
0: I, I think the Aggies are more talented, but I think the mullet will prevail in this, so go Pokes. <laughs> uh, 7 p.m. tonight on Fox Sports 1, Southern Cal, uh, 22nd in the country, Iowa 16th in the country. The, the, the best one there is, the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl.
1: And do you know outside the state of Iowa, this is interesting, of course, that's my native state, there is no city in America that has more native Iowans per capita than San Diego outside of the state of Iowa. So Iowa, any chance they, they get to go to San Diego, they do that because they know it's going to be well attended. However, USC will win the game. USC owns Iowa. Going back to their Rose Bowl days, USC beats Iowa.
0: I think uh, Ferentz will have them ready to play. Go Hawkeyes. Tonight at 9-15, the Cheez-It Bowl on ESPN the ten and two Air Force at the Fighting Leeches of Washington State, six and six.
1: Mm. Wow. I'll. I'll I'm going to go with the Falcons. And yes, that is Air Force's mascot, the Falcons. Um. I'll take Air Force. Over. I'll the,
0: take Air Force too.
1: <laughs> Over the leeches has just
0: been really dysfunctional um, this year. His teams have been so. That's uh, the games for today. On Slate tomorrow, of course, the big ones. Man, it, it's just an unbelievable. It's almost it, it's a New Year's Day feel because of the yeah. two playoff games. But you look at what's happening first. 11 a.m. out in Jerry World in Arlington, Texas, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Memphis and Penn State. I to, I'll take, I'll take uh, Penn Pen
1: State. Penn State in that game.
0: I'll take Penn State. Uh, Norvell's moved on, but I think it'll be close. I think the the Tigers uh, will play well. I think Brady White uh, will give Penn State some trouble. Uh, 11 a.m. also on ABC, Notre Dame and Iowa State in the Camping World Bowl.
1: Oh, boy. Um, Obviously, you know, my heart's with the Cyclones, but I think Notre Dame will probably win. Uh, Iowa State's had a really disappointing year. Uh, considering what the expectations were. I'll take the Fighting Irish, but I'll be cheering for the Clones.
0: I'm going to go with the Clones because just when you think they're dead in the water, they come back to life. And you look at how they've played this year. They've they've lost some uh, close ones. They've won some that, that uh, people didn't expect them to win. I'll go with the Cyclones. Um, the two big ones at 3 p.m. tomorrow, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, which is the college football playoff semifinal number one. Oklahoma at LSU Tigers, surprisingly, a thirteen and a half point favorite.
1: I don't think I don't think it'll be thirteen points, but I think LSU wins.
0: I think LSU wins. It's going to which LSU defense is going to show up? Is is Delpit going to be healthy? Um, LSU probably without their running back, but can Joe Burrow just uh, beat Joe Burrow? And then at seven p.m. in the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, the other semifinal. Clemson and Ohio State. This one is really, really close. Clemson, a two-point favorite.
1: I like Clemson. These teams from the north that always come down here and face us Southerners, never never farewell. Clemson wins.
0: I'm going to say Clemson wins, and I'm going to say Clemson exposes the Big Ten and Ohio State. So go Dabo, and it uh, looks like we could have a Clemson-LSU uh, final. All that's going on tomorrow. We appreciate you listening to us today. Happy Friday, happy weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. And as always, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top. top. I, wanna like eagle,
1: to the like eagle, I want to fly like to the sea. Fly like